Matthew 26. And you remember last week that we looked at the betrayer, the perpetrator of the betrayer, betrayal, Judas. And from that day till now, he has regretted what he did. Can't change it. Too late. And forever, for eternity. It's serious business when you do things that are contrary to what God wants. And once death comes, no time to change your mind. And here we have in verse 17, Now on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare thee for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at the, thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. They were exceedingly sorrowful. And began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written, but to woe unto him, Oh, woe unto the, that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who betrayed him, answered and, and, and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and take eat. This is my body. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament. The testator, remember this morning? The last will and testament of the Lord. This is the blood of the covenant. Which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So many thoughts come to mind as you read through that. So many Old Testament passages. And I pray that we'll deal with them appropriately and give us a biblical understanding of the day and the things that happened that day. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for planning these things out among the Trinity as in eternity past. While we were sinners, before we were yet born, these things were planned and, Lord, fulfilled. And now we enjoy the benefits and the blessings as we even remember the Lord's death, burial, resurrection in partaking of the elements this morning. A minister to us for your praise and glory and might we be ones that shed the and sound out the good news of the gospel far and away. We ask and pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if you have a bulletin on the back of the bulletin, you have an outline where we are in Matthew. The structure of the king's rejection under the Passover partaken of in these verses. Uh, the historical prominent Passovers that have been in the past 
And it all goes back to one, back in Exodus chapter 12. We may look at that in more detail next evening, next Sunday evening, Lord willing. But the death angel passed over Egypt, did it not? And all the firstborn died that had not the blood applied to the doorposts and the lintel of their doors. And the, there was great, great wailing and that in Egypt that day. I think there's a coming a day in this world where there's going to be another great wailing when the Lord comes and a lot of people left behind and they realise it. Too late, the blood was not applied before the uh, pass-by date when it was to be applied. The first Passover is given in, was um, partaken of in the Promised Land in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 10. That's another prominent Passover. You know, you cross over the Jordan, your sword's in the hand, and let's go get them. Hold it. <laughs> let's have a, the Passover feast. This lasted a week. It would have unnerved the inhabitants, number one, <laughs> and it would have prepared the people of Israel spiritually, number two. And Joshua 5.10 is spoken of there. The Lord wanted to get the people ready for the battle. And we go out prepared as we are encouraged partaking in the Lord's Supper and walking with the Lord and inspecting and examining our own hearts. The Passover in Hezekiah's time was a very prominent Passover. It's in Second Chronicles 30 and verses 1 to 5 through that, throughout that chapter. Great revival. And on each of these Passovers where the people realize this, this is what we should have been doing, this is what we haven't been doing, and some righteous king like Hezekiah said, let's do it. And uh, you know what? And it seems that each time that some king rose up and said, let's do this, do it right, that there was opposition. There was opposition when these Passovers were partaken of in the, because they had got so out of sorts with the Lord, they weren't doing what they should have done. And now Hezekiah brought the great revivals there to, to the nation. The Passover in Josiah, King Josiah's time in Second Kings 23, and that chapter 20, 21 to 26, and right up to chapter 31, that was in Josiah's time. And, uh, and, and it says in some of these, there was not such a time of rejoicing and drawing nigh to the Lord as it, as it was in the dedication of Solomon's temple. That's, that they hadn't gotten so right with the Lord and had such rejoicing spiritually until they remembered the Lord and what he did delivering them from Egypt. And know that there is some prominent, important things we need to remember and not forget, lest we forget the importance of the Lord's sacrifice. The Passover attended by Jesus at the age of 12 is another prominent Passover. The cleansing of the temple Passover where the Lord came in at the start of his ministry in John 2.13. That's another one where a Passover is talked about in some detail and, the, and things that happened around that time. And uh, his parents went home. You see, there was such rejoicing and gathering at these times that the Lord's parents got way out of Jerusalem before they realised that Jesus was missing. The boy of 12. <laughs> they found him back there discussing with the religious leaders in the, in the temple and around Jerusalem there about the things of the Lord. 
he must be about his father's business. <laughs> the feeding of the 5,000 Passover tied it with the bread of life, the, the feeding of the 5,000. It's just a big picture of these ones in John chapter 6 and verse 4. The raising of Lazarus Passover in John 11 verse 55. That's another one where something important had happened, something uh, notable had happened, and people were very aware that Lazarus had been raised from the dead. John chapter 11, 43 to 44, Lazarus' resurrection in the Passover in verse 55. And then the upper room Passover, this is the one that we look at tonight in Matthew 26 and verse 19. And what do you find? How, how many years did the Lord minister uh, after he was baptised, before his death? The three years. What did he do? Went to the Passover. He, 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 he was instilling in the disciples the necessity of being consistent in their spiritual life. And doing that which was right, what the people needed to do then. And um, <clears throat> remember... This is before Christ, well, this one, it was his death, burial and resurrection before the church had started in Acts chapter 2. But he did that which was important and a priority in his life. And if we, we get what we honour, if we honour the Lord in his work, in his way, according to the scripture, his blessing is upon those people. And if we dishonour and disobey and do our thing, and the, the, the Lord doesn't honour us, but he's, he's setting this example right through his life. Um, <clears throat> and it was dangerous for them, or him and they, the disciples, to go. They knew, the disciples knew that, let's go and die with, with him. And that's what drew them down at the Passover after Lazarus' resur uh, resurrection. I mean, yes, he's he being raised from the dead. So, we're at this Passover, another Passover that uh, happened after associated with the death of James and the freedom of Peter in Acts chapter 12 and verse 4, the future Passover, which is interesting. And this some will deny that it will happen, but there will be a future Passovers after the church is all raptured and in heaven and uh, millennium rolls on. There it is. It's talked of, it's spoken of, it's written. Where would you find the Passover that's going to be partaken of after all this is all said and done as a memorial in the book of Old Testament, Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel. Those ten chapters that speak about the temple and the priests and the sacrifices, it's given in there. And uh, you say, what for? <laughs> it's all said and done. What for? <laughs> There's a reason. Just as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today. And I can, I can imagine because of the change in the creation, the animal creation not being wild as it is for, for that time, as Isaiah tells us, lying, laying down with the lamb, that when that sacrifice is given, that will be very hard for the priest to slay the lamb as it looks at him. And you've had a pet, you remember the story of the pet lamb and David and that? You know, if you've had a pet lamb, if you've had one that, and you know, it's it's hard to kill a lamb, and if the children know it's the pet lamb, what will they do? What won't they do? <laughs> they won't eat it. <laughs> if you've probably had that experience, and so <clears throat> it'll be 
tough for those people and priests ministering then in that time as they do memorial sacrifices. <clears throat> if you've been around stock, actually if you've been around stock and there is one that has been slain and there's blood there, they've seen some of the animals go off. They, they know it. There's something, something amiss here if you've been in, in around stock. So here we, we go back to this. Chapter 26, verse 17, the reading we had. And let's pray before we look at some of the thoughts here. We have, sorry. We'll move on. I'm doing two introductions. We'll just move on. Now, in the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Where? Where will we do this? Um, <clears throat> The preparation is explained in verses 17 to 20. How long had the Jews been practicing this Passover and participating in Passovers? You know, many times as I've said, they didn't do it and they should have done. But how many years had it been from way back then when they came out of Egypt? Approximately. 1,500 years. About 1,500 years. They'd been practicing this from Exodus chapter 12. Um, <clears throat> Exodus 20, uh, Leviticus chapter 23 verses 5 through to 16 rejoicing in the redemption by the blood of the lamb from Egypt a seven day feast and we'll look at that in more detail next time in some of the details of the Passover it was a seven day feast and three feasts happened this weekend in the Jews calendar and then um, 50 days later, there's another feast that happened. It was the Feast of Pentecost. And they had seven feasts for the year. So there's three now. This is a very, very busy weekend for Jewish people, it was. And, uh, <clears throat> and then they had Pentecost. And then there was a long time to the next feast, which was the Feast of Trumpets. And it's interesting how those feasts lie, the time frames between them, and what they represent. There, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the Passover. And the, the one that comes many back in, in September is, uh, is the Feast of Trumpets. There's a long time between the Feast of Pentecost and the Feast of Trumpets. Am I dropping a hint? <laughs> it's a long time the church has been around. And... Uh, these, these things have significance for us today. And so <clears throat> keep, just keep that in the back of your mind for next time. The preparation of the Passover happened from, <laughs> from when? What day of the week? You know, Friday, a lot of people saying the Lord died Friday. And then he was raised on Sunday. And he was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth as Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish does that figure out in your mind no. not at all <laughs> so it couldn't have been that da that day and uh, I was looking into it some more and to complicate it even further <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do this <laughs> but <clears throat> when does our day start midnight midnight when does the Jewish day start Sunset, just it's a new day now, and so you throw that into the mix of the three days and three nights, and see how how far back you work backwards 
to when the Lord was crucified. I'll let you do that <laughs> because that'll you'll appreciate it more. And um, <clears throat> yes, I think three days and three nights, and sometimes just to let help you that parts of days were counted as the day <laughs> to the Jewish people. But this was written amongst the Jews. This happened in their time calendar, in their time frame, and um, <clears throat> was what we call Saturday night. Saturday night, no, to them. That was Saturday morning, and you know you, you've got to think those things through. But for us as Gentiles, it seems to be easy. Okay, Saturday night, Friday night, working backwards, and Thursday night, three nights and three days. You have the Friday and the Saturday and part of Sunday, and the, and you you work it out in three days, three nights. That's but that's not as as it was written in the culture that it was written. But <clears throat> the preparation is explained there in in those verses. Um, <clears throat> jumped ahead of myself the site was selected go and prepare and some say this was John Mark's parents place the place that Peter went to when he was released from jail <clears throat> and it, in, the, in the way the Lord said it he said go into the city to such a man and say to him the master saith time is at hand I will keep the Passover at thy house it sounds like oh just anybody or just no such and such a man it was a chosen place for the Passover so it's been said that it was that place and he was quite willing glad to have the Lord and his disciples there <clears throat> at that time so the observation of the disciples in verses 17 and 18 the men requested where will thou that we do it and the master revealed where it would happen in verse 18 and the disciples obeyed in verse 19 and the disciples did as Jesus appointed them and they made ready the Passover you know when the Lord speaks do it they made ready they said okay Lord we will go and do that the stage was set now in verse 20 and now when they even was come <clears throat> he sat down with the twelve Spiritual ministry, church ministry, takes people to participate and do it. You know, it just doesn't just happen. In your home, meals don't just appear on the table. Children think they do, but there's preparation. The house doesn't clean itself. There's preparation. And there needs to be taken... People take up the responsibility of doing those things. And the family and the church family, that people need to take up the responsibility of doing what's right what's requested and required of them without complaint and without <laughs> without coming back to the pastor and say, Pastor, you know, I, I, I did it and okay, I'll pat you on the back. No, just do it for the Lord, not for the pastor. It makes the pastor feel that you have to congratulate and thank everyone. My thanks is nothing. Your reward is from where? The Lord. And you know what he said when we, we pray, go into the closet. And when you pray privately, the, reward, the Lord will reward you openly. You know, I think that's important that we get that. These disciples just obeyed uh, what was said for them to do. And it was a very important time. Now we, we've noticed Judas, but go through this portion of Scripture quickly. The plotter was exposed. <clears throat> um. The Passover was partaken of. Its form usually went like this. The cup of unfermented mixed wine with bitter herbs dipped in a special sauce was partaken of. Unleavened bread was broken. 
a second cup of Passover recounted and um, they at that time would read and let's do it read Psalm 113 and 114 as they partook of this next cup in thinking back of what the Lord had done 1500 years earlier in delivering them from Egypt uh, they're so significant all this in typical teaching isn't it just like we partake of the Lord's table to remember what happened almost 2,000 years ago. In Psalm 113, and you get how, how it fits with as they would partake the Passover. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. We used to sing that one at you at camp. The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth up the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be joyful, mother, uh, mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Great praise was given in that psalm as they were about, they took of the second cup. And then verse chapter 14, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. And the Jordan was driven back 40 years later. There's 40 years in that there. Um, <clears throat> the mountains skipped like rams. What mountain? Sinai, the giving of the law. You, you remember all the history there. And this is a psalm about this. Uh, what, what ailed thee, O thou sea, <laughs> that thou fleddest? Parted the sea and they went through dry shod. Parted the Jordan and they went through dry shod as the priest stood there uh, trem in verse 7 tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord at the presence of the God of Jacob Moses on Mount Sinai who turned the rock into a pool of water or a sta standing water the flint into fountains of water what's that? Moses smiting the rock Water gushed out. And so this was all in an effort to remember in their Passover feast what the Lord had done. It's brief. It's right to the point. And then after that second cup was partaken of, a paschal lamb was eaten by all with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And then a third cup of blessing was drunk. A cup of blessing and uh, with which we bless. You can read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16. <clears throat> we'll read that one. The cup of blessing with which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread of which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And 
So a third cup of blessing was drunk, and this is likened to us in the New Testament. Solemn grace was given. And the other Gospels give details, which Matthew doesn't in the references, and you can cross-reference them. The Lord's indication of the betrayer back in Matthew, now in chapter 26 and verse 21, as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, one of you shall betray me. And so is the revelation given there. As they were enjoying the feast, as they were thinking back, as they were thinking of Israel's history, as they were partaking of these cups of blessing that they partook of, the Lord was like a bombshell to them. One of you shall betray me. And the response is given in verse 22. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Immediately joy turned to sorrow. What, they said? It couldn't be. Is it I? All seemed to have a bit of self-doubt, didn't they? Is it I? Is it me? Don't we sometimes question our relationship to Christ? Don't we say, oh, how could have I done that? If I'm a Christian, I know the disciples had, and they'd been with the Lord for three years, and they ministered. And there's sometimes that question of self-doubt, and you have to get to the point, it's not me that saved me. It's not you that saved you, it's the Lord that saved you. And you have to say, oh, not me. Lord, you did it for me, on my behalf. I just acknowledge I'm a wretched sinner needed salvation and I believed on what you've done and so here at this time they were very sorrowful and at times we do get that way and oh lord was it is it I would have I will I do that and the lord's indication and then the lord's indictment of the betrayer in 23 and 24 and he answered and said he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish the same shall betray me the despicable deed was exposed in verse 23. Now, <clears throat> they didn't sit on chairs like we do, but they reclined on their left side and their legs would be facing that way. It's believed that John was on that side and Judas was on that side. So John leaning would have leaned on the breast and heard the heartbeat of the Lord, as we know that that is what the, the Bible states. And <clears throat> Judas would have been on the other side. And so you, you get that scene and picture in your mind. And this despicable deed is seen how it, how it happened. And so John the Beloved was one side and Judas on the other side. And John 13, 23, it talks about John leaning and hearing, as it were, the heartbeat of the Lord and the dreadful damn, damnation exclaimed in 24 the son of man goeth as it is written of him but he's going to die it's written of him Isaiah 53 but woe unto the man by whom the son of man is betrayed it had been good for that man if he had not been born and what a dreadful statement to hear and the disciples just just oh, another hit and making them, making them very sorrowful after the years of ministry and victories they'd had um, <clears throat> there, there are degrees of punishment. We looked at that last week. And uh, it, the, the, the punishment, like it, it will be more tolerable 
for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you. And the Lord pointed to the religious leaders who have had the privilege to see the miracles I've done and to reject the message. Christian young people, as I said last week, I think I should say it again, it's needful for you to be saved because you have a privileged position. Billions of children have not had the opportunity to hear the message that you've heard. And you hear it in Sunday school, you hear it in club, in youth club, you hear it at camps, you hear it in church. An awesome responsibility is yours to believe, to obey the gospel. <clears throat> Better it been for you not been born than to come into a, a, a godly household and to reject the message. And you know and we all know some people that have done that. And they'll hear the depart from me ye workers of iniquity on the final day of judgment. But there are degrees of punishment. You can look at Luke 12, 47 to 48. And then the Lord's identification of the betrayer. So we see the Lord's in indication of a betrayer and the Lord's indictment of the betrayer and then the Lord's identification of the betrayer in verse 25. And Judas, who betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? Now, where's Judas? We've just said he's on this side. He's got the ear of the Lord Jesus. John also has got the ear or closeness to the Lord. Is it I? And I don't think it was, hey, is it I? No, is it me? Look back at verse 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest. Is this before or after what we're just reading? This is before. They said unto him, What will you give me that you deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. He, he was having this feast. <clears throat> he was asking this question. He already had the money in his pocket. You know, you can pretend, but the Lord can see straight through you. <laughs> Ah, yes, it's you, Judas. It's you. <clears throat> so he stammered, is it I? Blood money in his pocket. Thou hast said, said the Lord Jesus. Even at this late hour, I think Jesus is giving Judas an opportunity. And I think he gave him another one uh, when he came to, the, came to give the kiss of betrayal in the garden, uh, the garden um, of Gethsemane there. An opportunity. Notice uh, a reference in Psalm 41 and verse 9. Along with Psalm 55 verse 12 and, four, um, and 14. Psalm 41 and verse 9. It was in the last week's bulletin but we didn't get around to looking at it. Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted who did eat of my bread hath lifted up his heel against me what a dreadful deed that Judas did and I think this is speaking of the Lord and, he, and his betrayal by Judas my own familiar friend and until you've been betrayed by a familiar friend of many years or a family member you may not understand that but it hurts deeply and hurts for a long time <laughs> in chapter 55 and verse 12 and 14 we read there of psalms 
for it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hidden myself from him. But it was thou, a man of mine equal, my guide, and a familiar friend, we took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. Hmm. It is hard to be betrayed. But the Lord was gracious in what he said and how he said it and how loud he said it and how he replied to him, This time thou hast said. Now the plan was executed in verses 26. We're back in Matthew 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and take eat. Now this falls on this weekend. I didn't plan this one. The Lord did. The plan was executed. The supper was instituted here. We see four things here. The Lord's body. He took bread, blessed it, broke it and gave it to Jesus knew that in a few hours his body would be bruised and battered and broken. Pierced with thorns, whipped and beaten and bleeding. The loss of blood would have been enormous before he got to the cross and to make sure that he died they pierced his side didn't they and the soldier pierced his side they did not break his legs it was all so that prophecy could be fulfilled turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 it all fits and it's, we're not making this up it's not our imaginations but this is what is said here in Roman, I mean, First Corinthians, chapter five and verse seven. Who maketh thee to? Whoop, wrong one. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may but be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He's the Lamb. As uh, Brother McConnell traced the Lamb through the Old Testament, Behold the Lamb of God, said John the Baptist. He is the, our Passover Lamb, as it clearly states in the New Testament. And so the Lord's body was beaten and bruised. It seems that in Isaiah 52, before chapter 53 there, that he wasn't even recognized as a man. He was so beaten spat upon, slapped, crown of thorns and everything that happened to him as he bore our sins in his own body, as he bore the rudeness of all these people. All the time, at any time, he could have called 12 legions of angels and obliterated them all. But he went through that for us and held his peace. <laughs> Notice Back in Matthew chapter 26, he's giving thanks for this. He's giving thanks for what's just about to happen, for the torment and for the torture of the cross. In a few short hours, he would endure. The weight of the world's sin was on his shoulders. He gave thanks to the Lord. The Lord's body, and then we see the Lord's blood in verse 26, uh, 27 and 28. He took the cup and gave thanks, gave it to them, said, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, the New Covenant, 
the covenant that we spoke about, the, the will that was given to, to us, or is given to us, as we read about this, this morning, uh, the, the blood of the covenant which is shed for, the, for many for the remission of sins. And so the Lord's blood remits our sins. And with this new covenant given prophetically, exclusively to Israel, could not be fulfilled until the blood was shed. And Jeremiah 31, 31 refers to that. Neither could the new covenant given for salvation or so soteriologically, both to Israel and the church, be fulfilled until this had happened. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Royal blood, blood was shed from Emmanuel's veins at enormous cost to atone for our sins, to remit our sins. And that's in Hebrews chapter 9, that chapter we read this morning, 12 to 15. All the blood of the animals. And let's look at this because this, I think, helps us to understand the sacrifices that will be in the millennium when the Lord is living amongst his people. Why have sacrifices then? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 3 and 4. And, and also Hebrews 10 verse 10 and 14 through to 14. Why would you do that again after it's all said and done and we've been raptured in his presence as earthly people on earth, earthlings, redeemed, inheriting the kingdom? And we read in Hebrews 10 verse 3 and 4. But in those sacrifices that they did in the Old Testament, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. If you go over to verse 10, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. They never could, they never will. They never will. In the millennium, they, it's not for the covering of sin, as it was in the Old Testament. It's not for the cleansing of sin. It's for a memorial of what we have been delivered from. And it's serious. When we come before the Lord's table, it is serious. Examine yourselves that you be not condemned with the world. And then it will be a very serious thing. Those innocent animals looking with pleading eyes at the person that's about to slay them to shed their blood. It'll be hard. But it'll be necessary because the Lord will require it at that time. For the earthlings down on earth to see the cost of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's blood must be shed. The blood of animals can never take away sin, only cover it. Um, <clears throat> we could go to other re references, but then we, we go from the Lord's body and the Lord's blood as he instituted, he instituted the, his um, supper at this time to the Lord's beloved in verse 29 of Matthew 26. We're just about done. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until when? The day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. It's going to happen there. The Lord's beloved, I'll be with you. The Lord could see backward where all the sacrifices only covered sin. He could look beyond the trial and the travail and the taunts and the torment and torture and tears of this day that was, he was facing 
and see the triumph of the millions of souls transformed from all ages into his presence. That's what held him there to the cross. That's what held him from exercising his authority and power on this day that they captured and crucified him. Ransomed, redeemed, restored, healed and forgiven, washed in the blood, saved and sanctified, singing for eternity. Let's turn to Isaiah 53. I know this is what kept him there because this is what it says back in Isaiah 53. And if only Jews would listen to Isaiah 53, they would identify the Lord Jesus there as their Messiah. But they stubbornly refuse. The veil is on their heart till this day, we could say, as it says in the New Testament. Isaiah 53, going toward the end of the chapter. And we read in verse 10. But it, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his who? Seed. Jesus will see his seed. He will see you and you and each one of us and all the ones that have died and all the ones back from Adam that had believed by faith and all the ones in the future in the, in the, in the um, tribulation and in the millennium. He shall see his seed. He'll see the multitude of souls. <laughs> he shall prolong his days. He's prolonging his days through us and our ministries. And it please, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be what? Satisfied. God, the Lord Jesus, is pleased that his son would die such a terrible death. His blood would be shed. Because he can see his seed. He will see all the souls brought to him. He can see that and he's willing to go through with it. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify, just as if we'd never sinned, justify many. It would be good if he could have written all there. He, there's power in the blood to save all. But the application of the blood is only to those that believe. And that's many. He says, what more can I do? Come unto me, for he shall bear their iniquities. That's the reason he stayed there, because he loved you, he loved you, he loved all of the people that will be and have been born. And so the Lord's blessing is given in the last part of verse 29. I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine. And he could see, he could see it all in his mind's eye. And uh, I think somewhat more literal than we can envision it. Envision it until, the, until the day. There's a whole sermon in that one. Until. I don't know if I preached that one. Until. The fullness of the Gentiles. But here's another until. Until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. What will you think when you get on into eternity and the millennium is all up and running and, the, and they have a Passover? And we celebrate in memory with them who are on earth how it all will be all worked out, the Lord knows. But what a day to think, what rejoicing. I think it'll be far more moving than our services as we were this morning with the Lord's table. 
we will realize what 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 one a wonderful heritage we have in the Lord at that day. What, what, just amazing it will be to look back and to think forward and that this is for eternity. This is never going to change. And how we would love to. I don't know if we'll be given the opportunity to try to talk people that are born in the millennium into believing or not. I don't know if we'll be allowed to do that. But uh, we're given places of authority over them, according to the scripture. And so we see here the Lord's blessing upon the people, the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of the great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ our Lord. Until then, when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Looking forward to the day? I pray that you are. The Lord led them from approaching the approaching storm that he just told them and the sorrow that had come upon them when he said what was happening and a betrayer would do it to the other side of it all and the kingdom. The kingdom of the millennium. Remembrance will also happen there. He will drink it anew to offer a memorial sacrifice. Read Ezekiel 40, 39 and 40 and all those chapters around there about that. And uh, it will be fulfilled. He said it would happen. It's going to happen. I trust him. But until then, my heart will go on singing. That's not in our hymn book, is it? No, it's not. Is it? Let's pray and we'll have a debate later. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done through your Son. Thank you for the body that was broken, the blood that was shed, the beloved that were given the thoughts and the blessings of the future. And Lord, may we go on our way rejoicing for what wonderful things you're planning for your people. And may we go on our way with a burdened heart, knowing that there are many that don't know and are refusing to believe and have a burden for them in prayer and then the presentation of the truth of the gospel when opportunity comes. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.